So 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's going to read a few verses at the end. this chapter. The first Timothy chapter 2. Begin reading at verse 11. Again, we'll give our attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired and infallible word. So first Timothy 2.11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith, and charity, and holiness with sobriety. Amen. Do again trust God's blessing upon His Word. And with that Word opened and read, let us seek His face in prayer as we come to it this morning. Our Father in Heaven, we again come and we would bow before this Holy Word. And we ask, O God, that our souls would be able to take it in by faith. That we would be sanctified by it. Strengthened and helped in our lives. Well, forgive us for those things that would grieve the Holy Spirit. And draw us near unto thine heart this day. For Christ's sake. Amen. I'm happy today to try to give some honor to the mothers of this congregation, as well as other Christian mothers, by seeking their edification, their building up in the faith, in the preaching of the Word this morning, particularly trying to help them as we think of Mother's Day on this part of the year. Our text we read, though, may seem a little negative in prohibiting the woman Uh, from exercising the place of teaching or ruling of men in the church. Verse 11 and 12 there. The reasons for this restriction, or these restrictions, are taken from creation and from the fall of men into sin. Adam was first in creation, Paul says, but also Eve was first in the transgression. So that it may seem a dark and discouraging place for a woman's mind to dwell. But, having given that order to the church, that restrictions there, he says, in verse 15, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the trouble that Eve gave her offspring, the world, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. She shall be saved, notwithstanding all that. I don't think it's saved in the sense of preserved in childbearing. In other words, if she won't die in childbearing, 
You know, that's common enough to all kinds of women, not just Christians, or not just those that are uh, in the church and believing women. But I think it does refer to soul salvation. And what a great comfort that is. Though she's not to be a herald or a preacher or a ruler in the church, and what is the church? It is, as Paul says later, the pillar and the ground of truth. The, the place where God brings externally the means of salvation, of rescuing sinners from what Adam and Eve brought us into, that transgression. Though she cannot be an officer in it. She cannot be a teacher in it. She cannot rule in it. Paul says, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. As Stephen Sharnock says about that, he says, notwithstanding her guilt in defection, falling away from God there, her punishment in childbearing, she hath as good a right to salvation as the man. What's Paul saying? So, just as the man, she needs these graces that are mentioned here of faith and charity and holiness and sobriety to be saved. Now, faith leads out in Paul's accounting here of these gifts from God to women. Because without it, the mother or any of us cannot be justified. Remember what Romans chapter 3 and verse 28 says, and this is a conclusion as you'll see of a long bit of arguing. He goes on to explain farther in the next chapter, but he says in verse 28 of Romans 3, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without or excluded from Isolated from the deeds of the law. I conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And of course, it is, as verse 26 says, him which believeth in Jesus. Not just faith itself. You can believe in anything and be saved. But it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the woman... The mother, just as any other one of us, must be justified, must come into a right standing with God by faith. We'll also say that faith, as he says, we're to continue in faith. The mother is continuing in this faith. Because faith is not something we just do one time. But it's a constant believing in Jesus. You remember what Paul said in Galatians 2. He said in verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. So the, night, the life he's living now, the existence, the going on in his place as Paul. The Christian is Paul the Apostle. He lives that life by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He's continuing to believe. He's continuing to look to Jesus for His salvation. Not that He's justified over and over again. That's a one-time act. 
But the, the justifying faith, when we believe in Christ, doesn't just stop. It always is looking, always depending, always getting its salvation, its justification. There's its assurance of it. Always from our Lord Jesus. And we'll come back to that, Lord willing, in a, in a few minutes. So faith. But it's in childbearing that this mothers are preserved. It's not just to keep them out of trouble. Some may say that. that you know, of course, obviously, if we keep to our place, whoever we are, as one uh, southern comedian said, the best thing to know when you start a job is to know your place. It's true. Just like we're a man or a woman or a child, whatever. We need to know our place. It does keep us out of trouble. But, in that place, though it's, it's hard, think of Genesis 3.16, God says, I will greatly multiply thy conception and, and childbearing. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. Well, that, that's very hard. But in that place, the woman is and can be saved and, and evidence these graces. And see, really... In that, a freedom. But so he goes on to say charity or love. That is how faith acts once it's in the Christian. It works by love. Holiness is the next word. That conformity to God in heart and life. Remember that great text in the Old New Testament. Be ye holy. Why? For I am holy. We're being like God. Conforming it, transforming thought, words, and deeds to follow the Lord, to be like Him. And then the last one is sobriety or temperance. Or you might say even moderation, that self-control, you know, not to get into excesses. Again, one of those Christian graces. Today, though, I want to just focus on the one word holiness a mother's holiness a mother's holiness the word a mother's conforming and evidencing those virtues those graces those characteristics of god the first thing i would say is that there's much opposition or excuse me there's much importance to a mother's holiness There is much importance to a mother's holiness. You know, we see here how Paul connects it to the salvation of the mother. I shall be saved if she continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. You may remember over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. We'll come back to Hebrews 12 after a little bit here, but in the beginning parts, near the end of the sermon. But for now, verse 14, it says, Follow peace with all men. Notice, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You can see why the Apostle Paul would include that as essential for the Christian mother. Holiness. 
without which no man, no woman, no mother, no father will see the Lord. What does he mean there? Without which we'll never see the Lord if we have not holiness. If we're not seeking to be holy like God is holy. Well, some, even in the Reformed faith, have, at least in modern times, have tried to say that that holiness there in, in Hebrews, which we could just say as much as here in our text in 1 Timothy 2.15, is so essential to seeing God that it also includes and, and is equal with justification are being right with God by the imputed righteousness of Christ and His own cleansing blood. Now, what you think about what holiness is. It is our own efforts, yes, aided by, worked in us by the Holy Spirit. It is a product of the Spirit's work in us. Our own thoughts, our own aiming and striving to be like the Lord. Though... Obviously, the spring of it is from the Holy Spirit. And so some have said, well, because of what Hebrews says, and we could just come back here and say what Paul says here in verse 15, 1 Timothy 2, that if you don't work and have something to show, then you won't be justified in the end. Well, brother, I submit to you, that's a wrong way to understand it. Paul said, you know, many times about the security of the justified. Let me just read you one thing here in Romans chapter 8. It was called sometimes that glorious chain of salvation. Of how God saves. You want to look at it, it's in chapter 8 of Romans and verse 28 through 30. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And notice how he starts in there. For whom He did foreknow. That's in eternity. Also, in, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. There's the holiness, isn't it? That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there's the great plan of holiness. Notice what he says though. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. Look at the rest of the New Testament, that's when we're saved. We call that the effectual call. Not just me calling, a preacher calling you to salvation. But, you know, it's just God calling them. And see what he says about them. And whom he called, them he also justified. So all that God calls in that way, he justifies. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Well, not all of us have gotten to glorification. If we had, we wouldn't be here today, whether we're mothers or others. But you see the point. Those links, as they are called, are, are tall together. They're hooked together. cannot be broken. There cannot be a missing one. And it doesn't even really explicitly say in those lengths that moreover, or excuse me, yeah, moreover, you know, verse 30 there, and they think about holiness. 
Though obviously it's implied, because that's the great end to conform us. But it really becomes only that way when we're glorified. We are conforming. We are not to be conformed to this world. I say there's a great importance to this holiness. We'll not see the Lord, but let us not think it is that which we can earn our salvation, our justification with. Let us also not think, as they say too, that if we just do these holy works, we'll keep ourselves justified or in a justified state. Brother, no. Paul says in Romans 5, won't turn up, being justified by faith. What does he say? We have peace with God. Not being justified by faith and continuing in holiness, we have peace with God. But they're talking about a legal relationship. It can't be undone. Well, how do we understand this holiness then that Paul says that the mother is saved by in her place? That all of us have to have or we won't see heaven. We'll see God. Well, it's that necessary work that he produces. It's a mark of the child of God. In other words, as we confess in our, our confessions of faith, our doctrine, that faith alone justifies, but in the person justified. So the individual <coughs> sinner, the individual believer, faith is never alone by itself. In other words, Christ always works in those other things of holiness and charity and of sobriety. You see the difference. It doesn't enter into our standing with God. We can never merit that. We can never bring anything to hold up and say, you know, I know Christ died for me. I know that you've imputed His righteousness to me. But I also have all this holiness. I prayed all these prayers. I gave this money to the poor. You know, I um, attended church and all these things. So I, I'm justified, right? No, no, no. We Remember, just think about this too. We must continue in holiness. Matthew chapter 25. Remember Christ is sitting on the throne. He puts the the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And He distinguishes them by their fruits. The ones on His left, the goats, never loved Christ. Because they were never justified. The ones on the right, the sheep, they were those for whom He died. They were justified. They loved Him, but they didn't know how they were like, well, Lord, how, how do we do that? They weren't saying, oh, yes, I remember. I did all this stuff for you. Let me into heaven. No, Christ had to tell them what their good works are. You see, we come to heaven. We're still resting upon the solid rock, not of our righteousness, not of our goodness, not of our holiness that we tried to follow here, but upon Jesus Christ. So there's a great importance to it, but not let us not get it out of order. Let me put it the other way. If we don't have a desire, if our hearts are not inclined to God's Word and to His commandments, to His requirements for us, not to earn His salvation, but because we are saved, because He has freely, that is, without a cause in us, justified us and forgiven our sins. And so we want to be like Him. We want to walk in His ways. 
He delivered us from the worst slavery, the worst prison house we could ever have been in. Wouldn't you want to serve Him? What would we do if we're saved? So that's the thing. If we see, well, I don't really care how I don't really care about this, that, and the other thing. And God, God says it, but we, you know, I, you know, well, we ought to tremble. Am I, am I saved? Am I justified? If I can have a, an attitude like that to the one who saved me, who justified me, am I really saved? So all those that come to heaven will have that mark of holiness. But secondly, not only is there's much importance to the holiness of a mother, but there's also much opposition to a mother's holiness. Much opposition. She shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Remember we read Proverbs 31. And we see all those excellencies of the godly wife, mother, woman. You see her teaching her son in the first eight verses there, you know, what to do, what not to do. She's intent. She calls him her son, the son of her womb, the son of her vows. Listen, she says to Lemuel, and she teaches those things of character. We can go from there, verses 10 to about 22 there, 21, and you see her great labors for her household, bringing in food and raiment and clothing and and making sure everything's in place for all the seasons. And just the great care of looking to her home. Verse 20, she doesn't forget the poor. Of course then you have the last number of verses there. Her chief beauty and ornaments. Strength and honor. And the fear of the Lord. Well to get to that description... All those things come upon a mother to emulate. But I say there's much opposition. There's much opposition. I mean, you think about what Paul is referring to in that childbearing, that child rearing that was cursed, that has much more sorrow, much more trouble. How can I do the works of holiness? How am I going to have the law of kindness in my mouth? How am I going to love my husband, my children, when they're sinful? We are. Or we're negligent. You know, we're childish when we're little. Maybe sometimes when we're big. How does a mother do that? You know, Rebecca even said of the husband or the wives rather of Esau. Her and Isaac were grieved, as bitter of souls, yet the literal rendering there. She said even further in Genesis there that her life wouldn't even be worth living if Jacob took the same kind of wives. That's I'm saying there's there's a lot of trouble in raising and, and seeing your children out the door, as it were. And a foolish son in Proverbs brings much shame and grief to his mother. They're tempted as many as, as any of us are to complaining, to anger, to fainting and giving up, or just like throwing your hands and just letting you just let's go with whatever the world's doing. This is too hard to just let's go. Or leaving off their prayers, 
And so there's much opposition. There's much opposition. The devil does not want Christian mothers to pray for their children. Think of Hannah's great prayer. Of course, most of that prayer that we have recorded at the beginning there, or at least the great emphasis was it for the Lord to be merciful and visit her in affliction of not having children to give her a child and she would give him back to the Lord. As King James says, lend him to the Lord. But she wanted a child, but yet you see how her desire was not just to have a child. So her Penina, her her um, uh, husband's other wife wouldn't keep fussing at her, making and mocking her, and, and putting her down for not having children. But she wanted to escape that affliction, yes, but not to the exclusion of the glory and the service of God in that son that He might be pleased to give her. Well, Satan doesn't want that. He wants the children to be left. How often in the Scriptures we have Old and New Testaments. Train up your children. Teach them the commandments I've given. Train them in the way they should go. Don't leave them to themselves. Direct them. Correct them. Guide them. Uh, Ephesians. Train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But the devil, obviously, that's what the Lord says. He's fighting against it. He's putting those thoughts of unbelief in the mother's mind. It's not going to do any good. Why are you going to read the Bible with them? They're too young. Or they're not, you know, they're not going to understand it all. Or they're too distracted. Etc., etc. Why pray? You haven't seen the answer to prayer, you know, for a number of years for that child. And on it goes. Satan is one desires to take from Christ everything he can. His glory, his people, his church. He even comes, Paul tells the Second Corinthians, as an angel of light, as ministers of righteousness in the church. As we said, even some of these ones this morning try to mix they wouldn't even say that. They wouldn't admit this. But they're mixing justification and sanctification, holiness. So they're both almost an equal need when you come to judgment. Brother, why? Because Satan hates the Savior and His seed and His people. And mothers, Christian mothers included. But to destroy that which Christ is building. And so He comes with opposition. But our own... You know, mother's also just her own flesh, her own weakness. It's hard. It's a lot to take. It's a lot to bear on the shoulders and the heart. But thirdly, not only is there much importance to the mother's holiness and much opposition to it, but there's much assistance to a mother's holiness. There's much assistance. Christ Jesus Himself. And this we'll turn back just for a minute to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm glad our Sunday school in the recent times here has been putting us in the same path of looking to Jesus. But chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, remember chapter 11 is what we call many times that hall of faith, if you will, 
but recounts the many uh, men and women who by faith overcame their sins, their circumstances, etc. But he says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We apply that to mothers, the, the race of raising, of bearing and raising the children. Of all those graces and virtues that Proverbs 31 lists in other places of Scripture, that race of conformity to the Savior. But he says this in verse 2, looking unto Jesus. You know, when you put aside the weight, you put aside the sin which besets us so easily, holds us back and hinders us, that word looking means to look away from, to look off other things. So we're putting other things off, we're closing the eye, if you will, to other points, and we're just focused on that one object, which he says here is Jesus. Especially him being the author and finisher of our faith. All of our faith must be directed to him. He begins. He maintains and He completes our salvation. Looking to Jesus, we become like Him. And notice what He says. You know, that's how we're to run this race with patience. It's not an immediate thing. But keep looking to Jesus. How He is described in the Old Testament and all those prophecies. Some of the Psalms and some of the prophets like Isaiah tell us what Christ was thinking. Tell us some of His prayers in His heart that the Gospels do not tell us. They refer back but they don't give us all the words. Of course the Gospels describe many as well of thoughts and prayers and other things. His actions, His Gospel, His own preaching. And then the epistles flesh that out. By Christ's Spirit. All the other implications of Christ's person and work. So we have plenty of places to look. One man uh, was telling about the Reformation. And he said Erasmus, the great Greek scholar of that time, told Zwingli, there's only one thing we must look for. In interpreting the Bible. It is Jesus Christ. And he's right. He is the center of the Old and New Testaments. So Paul says looking unto Jesus in the race that is set before us as a mother. Persuade yourself. That he is your author and your finisher of your faith. Notice what it says of him though too who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Dear mothers, 
Jesus had a joy that was set before him as he was completing his great work of redemption. It was to sit down at the right hand of the Father and be the glory that he had before of the Father restored, at least remanifested. Christ did not lose any of his godhood, but he did not come manifesting that great glory that he has as a son of God. He endured all these things. Mothers must endure many things, but look for that heavenly happiness at the end. Believe that He will carry you through. Look to Him to effect in you those things that you need. We see Proverbs 31. We cannot think that the woman that was being described there would have never failed in any of those points. It's because it doesn't ostensibly say that in the text. We have Daniel. We have no sin recorded about Daniel. And he confesses that he's a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned. That includes Daniel. It includes the woman described in Proverbs 31. They still needed to look in that time to the coming Christ. What those sacrifices at the altars of the temple signified was to come. So mothers today, Look to that Lamb. To take away the sin, but also to restore the soul, to restore the life, uh, to give you strength to go on with patience. Patience. How many mistakes we make do we not when we're hasty? We expect this, expect that, it doesn't come, and we just our unbelief grows, doesn't it? But let us continue to look to Jesus. Knowing that He will perfect. He says the author, but you know, He's not like us. Sometimes we start things and we can't finish them for whatever reason. Maybe it's a character flaw we have. Maybe it's just the circumstances will not allow it. Things change so much, there's no way to finish. Whatever. We find out that, you know, what we thought we could do, we can't do. Whatever it is. But it says of Jesus that He not only begins, but He finishes. He finishes work. As far as redemption goes, as far as accomplishing all that is necessary to save us. But also He works in time to, by His Spirit, to draw us to Christ. And as He prayed in John 17, to sanctify us. As we go back to our text, the holiness. He says, sanctify them by Thy truth. This is prayer for us. Thy word is truth. He will not... Be discouraged that He will finish. He will see, as Isaiah 53 says, the travail of His soul and be satisfied. He will bring it to completion. Bring it to completion. One more encouragement, one more piece of assistance for the, the mothers. And some may look back And some may be in it, and some may look forward. But to all the Christians in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so in each case, we have to apply that to ourselves. 
our calling, our, our position in the family or in the church or wherever we're at. Today we think of mothers particularly in that work of the Lord you've been called to. What did you say? Why would you need to be steadfast in it? And there's so much opposition. Unmovable. There's so many things that would call you away from it and say it's just worthless and it's not going to be good. And abounding it. Because he says something we know. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Will not come to nothing. It is not that which is worthless. Remember what we even noticed not too many weeks ago in Matthew chapter 10. If you just give a cup of cold water to a disciple, in the name of a disciple, you will not lose your reward. You mothers that are trying to raise your children for the Lord. It may not seem like you did much. or do much. Maybe you seem like the child turned away. But as you did it unto the Lord, you will not lose your reward. You will not lose. He will remember. And He will reward. Obviously covering our the mother's faults, as He does with any of us that reward, because none of them are worthy. It's by the precious blood, the imputed righteousness that makes them worthy. His intercession at the right hand of the Father. But may that encourage mothers. There's a great importance to your holiness. And you know the opposition to that holiness. There's also much assistance in the Savior to that holiness. But let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that the Holy Spirit might give us an understanding of this text that we need. Lord, especially we pray for the mothers that would hear it. And that would encourage them greatly. It would give them realistic expectations and understandings of this text. Lord, those of us who are not mothers, we pray that we might pray for the mothers and encourage them. And Lord, all of us have a mother or had a mother. Some have passed on. Lord, help us to honor them in walking in a way that pleases the Lord. That we may, even in that, fulfill that prophecy of Scripture that their labor was not in vain in the Lord. So Lord, we pray, bless us in Thy grace. For Jesus' sake.